I actually built a business doing social media for small businesses and I hated it. The biggest mistake I made in the beginning is I literally created a business I did not love. I had zero understanding of boundaries because I didn't know how to unboss myself. This act of beginning to believe that you can lead yourself, you can figure it out. And when you crash and burn, you can get yourself back up there. So for the first two years of being my own boss, I acted like I was an employee to my clients. And that was just a disaster. I asked myself like, what am I doing wrong here? I definitely did not believe that I was capable of creating this. We have to start believing that I am capable of making this happen. And so what I would do is I'd almost force myself to make decisions without asking anybody's opinion. So it's step-by-step, decision-by-decision, you slowly start to emboss yourself. And that's exactly what I had to do, which led me to realize I don't like working one-on-one with clients. I've created a business I don't want. I've got to fix this. How many of you out there listening to this today are in a job that you cannot stand? It doesn't inspire you. It's not meeting your goals and objectives. And you know that you were meant for more. Well, guess what? You're not alone. That was me not too many years ago. I had to go out there and do my own exploration and find another path. Well, today I am super excited to say that we have someone that is going to help you out. I have with me award-winning entrepreneur and marketing genius, Amy Porterfield. Now, if you haven't heard of Amy, I'd be surprised. She has one of the biggest podcasts out there on marketing and entrepreneurship. She went from corporate cubicle dweller, as she calls it, to get this, 72 million in sales over 46,000 students and 42 million podcast episode downloads, all from the comfort of where, when, and how she wants. And she is now on a mission to help others achieve the same. So from that point on, I started figuring out what are these guys doing? And it took me about a year from that meeting to actually leave my nine to five job and start my own business. So what we're gonna get into today is her story. We're gonna talk about her new book, which is called Two Weeks Notice. Find the courage to quit your job, make more money, work where you want and change the world. And we're also going to get into actually one of one of my favorite parts of the conversation is how she used to work for get this Tony Robbins. And she was sitting in a meeting where he had all of these very successful online entrepreneurs come in and talk about how they can live in absolute freedom. And that was the catalyst that pushed her into her own world of entrepreneurship. So we're going to get into all that. And one of the other highlights for me in the conversation is when she says action creates clarity. Most people still in nine to five jobs, in cubicles, in side offices, whatever it might be, they don't, they don't know this world. So I wanted to go on a mission to make sure I explain to them there is this world out there. Here's how to get into it. Here's what you need to do. Unless you take action first, you'll never figure out what that next step is for you. So sit back, relax. You are going to get a masterclass here on how to jump feet first into the world of entrepreneurship. Welcome to Scale Up with Nick Bradley, Amy Porterfield. Hey everyone, it is Nick Bradley here. Welcome to another episode of Scale Up. Today, I am delighted to say that I have someone on the show that I have admired from afar for a long time for a lot of different reasons, but mainly how well she has tackled this world of online marketing and created 
an eight-figure business off the back of it. I believe I'm correct on that. And has done it in such an elegant way, a graceful way that I'm delighted to have on the show with me, Amy Porterfield. Well, hello there, friend. Thanks so much for having me. It is awesome. And you know what's really cool about today? I get inundated by people saying, listen, it's cool that you talk about scaling businesses, exiting companies, my background, private equity, all those sort of things. But I just want to start a business. I want to get out of this situation that I've been in. I've been employed for X number of years. I'm starting to feel that I want to do something different. You have written, you have finally, I should say, written the playbook <laughs> on this stuff. And we are going to be talking about that today. But you know what, Amy, what I'd love to know, because I, I was doing a bit of research and I didn't quite appreciate that you started off a lot of this stuff working for Tony Robbins. Yes. And so that's where I got my, that was my very last uh, corporate job. And there was a moment, I believe, which I want you to share in a minute, where you were in a meeting and you had this kind of realization or epiphany. And before we get into that moment, do you know what? I don't think there's probably a worse person that you could work for in terms of mindset and following passions and belief than Tony. You must right. have been like, your mindset must have been rock solid at this point. Oh, I'd like to think it was, but probably not. Definitely. But definitely in a good spot. So here's what happened. I was with Tony for about six and a half years as the director of content development. I got to travel the world with the team, work on the content he did on stage, like unleash the power within and date with destiny. It was incredible. And I really did love my job, but I was also newly married and working crazy hours on the road all the time. So that part was really hard, but here's what happened. Tony decided to do somewhat of a focus group where he brought in a bunch of online business owners and he brought them into the San Diego offices and they sat around this big oak table and Tony asked him like, tell me about your business. Now I was brought in to take notes. So oh, I no. sat at a side table. <laughs> yes, I sat at a side table, was taking notes. It was all men entrepreneurs. And basically, Tony was getting more and more into the online space, selling digital courses. And I love the way his brain works. He likes to know who's doing it, who's doing it well, and kind of model what's working. That's what he teaches. I suppose he's kind of masterminding. He's getting the best people at that point in time in a room, and he's going to take all of that and then do his thing and do it really well. So true. And so for those of you listening that know online marketers, these were like the Mac daddies. It was Jeff Walker, oh, wow. Frank Kern, Brendan <laughs> Bouchard, like really, sorry, my dog likes to come in to announce himself. Oh, so don't worry. You know what? My, my Labrador's out there too. And quite oh, often the kids come in. So we have this, we have this rule on the show. We don't edit right okay, good. it's it's all natural <laughs> it is what it is yes scout wanted to come say hello so basically he yes they, so they were frank kern jeff walker evan pagan um brendan Burchard. it was an amazing wow. group of guys and at the time i didn't know who any of them were but it was uh it was just this moment that they started talking about their businesses and i thought what is going on here? Because all I heard was freedom. They talked about working when they wanted, where they wanted, how they wanted. They were as creative as they wanted to be. They were making incredible money, but also you could tell they were making an incredible impact. And they were in all different industries. So from financial and investing to real estate, to relationship building, to marketing, all these different industries. And in that moment, for the first time in my entire life, I realized I'm not free. I have never been totally free. I have always had a boss and I want a piece of what they've got. Let's and do so a time check, Amy. So when, when was this approximately? 
So approximately 15 years ago. Okay. Wow. That's so, the early days. I mean, those names you mentioned are like, you know, some of the greats of all time, copywriting, yes. all this kind of stuff. And you're in this room. You, you probably didn't appreciate at the time. Oh, no. Not <laughs> at all. Not at all. Funny enough, I just did an interview with Jeff Walker yesterday cool. and he was there and he said, Amy, when you looked at us, did you think, if these guys can do it, so can I. And I kind of laughed. I'm like, well, you, when you look at Frank Kern and he's in board shorts and a t-shirt and flip-flops and I'm thinking, who is this guy? Probably a little part of me was like, if they can do it, so can I. But I just wanted a piece of it. So from that point on, I started figuring out what are these guys doing? And it took me about a year from that meeting to actually leave my nine to five job and start my own business. And I created a runway between that time and when I left wow. to kind of figure out what do I I need to do. But yeah, that was my turning point. So I'll just share something very quickly here. I had a very similar story when I left private equity. I kind of knew I was going to leave. It actually was at a Tony Robbins event. So this is kind of no even way. uncanny. I flew to, um, this was 2018. I flew to Chicago to unleash the power within. And I had this massive like realization of why am I in this world? Very similar to your story in the book. Why am I in this world? And what am I going to do? But the problem is when you're in private equity, you're earning a lot of money. And I'm like, I've got like Porsches and a house and kids in school and like, I just can't quit. So I yeah. did kind of what you did. I, I made the decision, right? I'm quitting now at that event. Yeah. Then I came back and I designed what I do now. And it took, I think it was 10 months until the private equity firm decided to, they were going to, they're going to fire me basically. Cause I had a podcast that was getting too big and, um, I had, I'd already written the, the resignation letter. So as soon as they called me into the boardroom that day, I just pulled it out. I said, oh, um, to my wife, uh, here we go. Here's the ride. <laughs> Whoa. Crazy it's stuff. But it's very similar. Right? Thing. It's very scary. And you and I had the similarity of golden handcuffs. We got paid a lot. We had a really cool job. We were doing cool things, but still we wanted something different. So those yeah. listening that maybe haven't left their nine to five job yet, even if it's a good job on paper, it's okay to want something more, to want something different. I think it's a little bit easier for those of you listening that you're like, I hate my job. There's this thing called resenteeism that's happening. You, okay. First it was quiet quitting. Quiet quitting was, I don't like my job. I do want to do something different, but I'm just going to do the bare minimum here and kind of figure it out. Well, resenteeism is new where it's like, I don't like my job and I'm going to be vocal about it. This job is oh, crap. And I haven't heard that before. Yes, oh, man. So they're going into work every day like, screw you all. I'm not happy here. Well, who wants to live that way? So I wrote a book to help you create a different type of life and business that is on your own terms because we don't want to quiet quit. We don't want to be resentful. We want to go after what we want. We want to create a future that's beautiful. So Absolutely. I'm passionate about that. And you know what's great? I mean, the book is very inspiring. And, and a question, it's called Two Weeks Notice, by the way. And uh, the byline, if you like, is find the courage to quit your job, make more money, work where you want and change the world. So I love the fact you've got the whole money, freedom, impact piece in that. Yes. But here's a question for you. Why did it take so long to write this book? Did you, did you kind of think that you needed to do all the stuff you've created first to have the credibility for this? Or is it just the timing was right? Give me the inspiration behind that. You know, I thought about creating a book or writing a book for many, many, many years. And I always thought I would write a book for people that are a few years in. Lots mm -hmm. of people in my, uh, my audience, they're a few years in and they're just kind of trying to figure it out. But I think when I finally realized, wait a second, I am going to write this book and I know what I'm going to write about. When I realized, I remember being in that boardroom, not realizing what the online business world was all about, not realizing how good it could be. 
I was introduced to it in a really random way. Most people still in nine to five jobs, in cubicles, in side offices, whatever it might be, they don't, they don't know this world. So I wanted to go on a mission to make sure I explained to them, there is this world out there. Here's how to get into it. Here's what you need to do. I wanted to introduce more people to the online business world. And so when that clicked for me and I felt really passionate about it, then it was like game on. So I sat down and I started writing my heart out. I knew that this was going to be what I wanted. And so what's interesting about this book is there's a lot of people in my audience who have purchased it, whether they need it or just want to support me. But my mission is to get out in front of a new audience that doesn't know who I am. So uh, something from personal branding, my, my picture's not on the front of the book. And the reason for that is this is not about, oh, I like Amy, so I want to read the book. It's about literally finding a new freedom. It doesn't care what I look like or if you know me or not. So I'm really on a mission to attract people that have no idea who I am, but want a different kind of life. Brilliant. And you know, the parallel I have to it from a personal perspective is like I read Tim Ferriss's book a long time ago, right? And it kind of changed, it, well, okay, it changed the paradigm of what I knew at that point was possible, but I didn't do anything. Right. I kind of thought, oh, I would love to be able to do that, like for our week thing, but I'm just going to stay in my bubble. What is it that, you know, if we go back to that point in time where you said, that's it, you're in this room, amazing room, freedom hits you, right? Yeah. What made you actually take the action though? Was it, was it, can you remember the, the, the thinking? Did you think that's it? You weren't, you weren't not liking where you were. I take it. You just right. saw a different way of doing something. Yeah. So it was what kind of happened in that moment is I knew I had hit a glass ceiling. I knew I was making good money, but there was probably not much more I could make. Yeah. And I also knew that I wasn't seeing my new husband that much as a newlywed and wasn't home with him or anything like that. And those two things already had bothered me. But okay. then in that moment, when I realized, wait a second, there's a different way to do it. There was also a little bit of competitiveness that came like a little fierceness, like, I could figure this out. It was new and exciting and different. And I was ready for that. So it felt like a challenge and I'm in Enneagram three. So give me a challenge and I'm going to right. attack it any which way I can. So there was a little bit of fierceness and challenge in it that I was excited about. Did you think of yourself as an entrepreneur at that point? What was your identity? Not, not at all. I always say I'm an ex-corporate girl turned accidental entrepreneur. First of all, the word entrepreneur, way too fancy for me back then. Like I would never, ever say I was an entrepreneur. And so I said, could I start a business? Could I be a business owner? So that felt a little bit easier. Yep. I really did deal with imposter syndrome. Who am I to be doing this? What will Tony Robbins think if I think I can go out on my own? What will my coworkers think of me? I'm not smart enough. I don't know enough. All of that was very, very real to me. However, what was just a little bit stronger was my why, my desire yep. for freedom. So even though my worries were huge, my why was just a little bit bigger, which actually started to push me out the door. Yeah, well, that's, that's the thing I connected in when I was at that event. It was, I, I realized that if I kept on the pathway that I was on, because I didn't really enjoy it and there were things going on, I realized that I could be 20 years in the future and, and I'm going to look back and go, what the hell did I do in that time, right? Not see my kids, not, not do the things I wanted to do. And I look back now, it's a massive gift. It, now, it was challenging, and we're going to get into, you know, the practicalities of what's in the book and your journey in a sec. But, like, you know, I realized that I was growing as well through that journey. And now I look back at some of the things that were challenging, and they're not as challenging because I've grown to, A, adopt, accept and and improve i suppose from those things so so let's get into this a little bit what i'd like you to do if this is cool amy is let's go through um the, the key steps 
that people can take, particularly if they are in that situation we described before and they're thinking, you know what, I, I, this is the year. This is the time that I'm going to do something different. And as we go through those steps, I'd like you to share your journey, particularly the challenges. Like, was there a point in time where, oh, I don't think I should have done this? Mm. Many times. Many <laughs> Let's go times. through it because people have to understand. The, you've done it. I've done it. It wasn't easy. Well, let's put it this way. It was a simple in concept, but it wasn't easy. And that's right. what I want to kind of get across. Yes. Yeah. So what happened was I, so it took me about a year to leave and I, I built this runway. I did very specific things in order to leave with integrity, but also hit the ground running. And so in yep. the book, I lay out step-by-step step how to leave a nine to five job to start an online business, all the things you need to do. So I outlined that in the book, but when I got to be out on my own, here I am in this little condo in Carlsbad, California, right outside of San Diego. I'm in my kitchen. It's my first day on my new job of creating my own business, looking around like no one's gonna tell me what to do. I have no idea what I'm doing, but I'm going to figure this out. So I came up with a starter idea, which is what I encourage everyone to do in the book. It wasn't my end all be all, but my starter idea was something that I was good at that I could charge for. And I knew how to do social media. So I started to take small business clients to do their social media. And so for the next two years, I actually built a business doing social media for small businesses and I hated it. The biggest mistake I made in the beginning is I literally created a business I did not love. I dreaded working. Didn't you just create clients. another job? I mean, like, let's be yeah. frank, you've just got, instead of having Tony as your boss, you've got like uh, 20, clients. 20 clients. Eight yeah, clients. not even 20. I wish okay. I had 20. I had eight <laughs> clients telling me what to do. I had zero understanding of boundaries. And what I talk about in the book is I didn't know how to unboss myself. Unbossing mm. is this act of beginning to believe that you can lead yourself, that you don't need anybody's decisions, insights, opinions. You can figure it out. And when you crash and burn, you can get yourself back up there. I had no concept of unbossing myself. So I just acted as an employee. So for the first two years of being my own boss, I acted like I was an employee to my clients. And that was just a disaster. And so wow. at some point I thought, wait a second, this is not going to work. I cannot do this. And I contemplated, do I go back and beg for my job back? Because that was less work than this has been, or do I figure something else out? And so I decided I was going to create a digital course and I was going to teach people how to do marketing through a digital course. And that was like my first attempt to change my business model. Okay, let's get to that in a second, because I want to, I want to, okay. this is such an important point, I think, in terms of what you realize. I want to go back to the unbossing just quickly. Okay. So the mindset around this, right, more than anything else, how do you, how do you change that? Like, the, how do you get the, um, the courage mm. to go, I'm not going to, I'm, I'm not going to be an employee. I'm just, I'm going to say no to things. I'm going to trust that if I say no to this, something else is going to open up. How did you do that? So it's such a great question. When I realized that I didn't know how to unboss myself and that I had created a business that I didn't love, I asked myself, like, what am I doing wrong here? And one mm. of the things is that I definitely did not believe that I was capable of creating this. So much of going out on your own is going to be a shift in your mindset. I can teach you the strategies and the tactics all day long, and I teach them in my book. But before we even get there, 
we have to start believing that I am capable of making this happen. And so what I would do is I'd almost force myself to make decisions without asking anybody's opinion, to actually move forward with a new project without getting everybody's insight around me and figuring out how to do that. So it's step-by-step, decision-by-decision, you slowly start to emboss Mm. yourself. And that's exactly what I had to do, which led me to realize I don't like working one-on-one with clients. I've created a business I don't want. I've got to fix this. Perfect. And that step-by-step thing you've become synonymous with, right? And I remember, and there's an interesting paradox here, if I can just kind of jump into. So, you know, Tony will talk a lot about affirmations and running around and all that sort of stuff. And not to say that you don't believe in that, but you talk a lot about action. You talk about take the step, focus, you know, it's about these steps. If you just take the step, next step, next step, next step, next step, you're going to get there. So there's a presence to that philosophy as well. I believe that action creates clarity. So a lot Mm, of people will come to me and say, Amy, I have no idea what to do. I want to go out on my own. I don't even know where to start. And because I rely so much on action, I'll say, okay, let's get a starter idea. Let's get an idea out there. Let's try it because action creates clarity. You will never know your next step until you're in it. I can give you a checklist, but until you do it, you are not aware of what to do next. It just doesn't come natural to you. You've got to get into action. You know what? There's a moment in every interview, which is the underlying moment and that action creating clarity. I'm just going to pause there for a second. <laughs> Everyone write that down because because I see so many people procrastinating and distracting in all these other things, right? But you're right, you know, if you just focus on the on the next step, the next action, you know, and you keep doing that repeatedly, right? Making those promises to yourself, you're going to get there, which is cool. So let's get into the um let's get into how you scale this out, right? So you you're doing one to one, you're not liking that. You're thinking there's got to be a better way. Did you come up with that way or were you starting to get a bit of external help at this point in time mentorship were you starting to invest in yourself in coaches and all that or were you working out yourself oh i love this question so i invested in myself the day i left my nine to five job i joined a mastermind of other female entrepreneurs it was seventeen thousand dollars that i did not have and so (laughs) i was able to do a payment plan And when I had a payment plan of a few thousand dollars a month, I had to hustle in order to pay that off. So essentially my first few months of business were just to pay off this mastermind. But the reason I spent that money is I had to get in proximity with other people doing what I wanted to do and those that were even ahead of me. This is a philosophy I, of course, learned from Tony, which is surround yourself with people that are doing bigger things than you. I believe that from day one. So I invested in myself right from the get-go. I was surrounded by people that were doing big things, and a lot of them were creating digital courses, and they were making great money doing that. So when I realized I've created a business I hated, I thought, I've got to try this digital course thing. And we had created courses at Tony's um, company, so there was something I was a little bit familiar with, but never like from scratch. So I had to kind of piece it together, having no clue what I was doing, created my first course, and I made $267 when I thought I would make (laughs) 100,000. No, I was so (laughs) upset. I cried for like a week. And the problem is I looked online and everybody else looked like they were making millions of dollars, which we know is not true, but that's what social media makes us believe. So I thought, what is wrong with me? I come from a really great business. I know a lot of marketing. Why, Why is this such a mess? I didn't have an email list. And here's the big thing. I created a course, this is so ironic now, to teach people how to launch a book using social media. 
I had never launched a book until uh, 14 years later today. I'm so you're teaching something book. that you hadn't done, but you know the craft of social media. And exactly. also, I suppose you're putting friction between that as well, because if people haven't got a book, yeah. I've got to write a book. True. So if you don't have a book, I'm not for you. <laughs> it's easy to, it's easy to analyze it now, right? But oh, I think it's yeah. important because anyone who, who buys your book and starts to kind of implement this stuff, and I did this as well. I mean, I started off with Scale Up Your Business. And, and actually, when I was one of the first people to talk about scaling in 2018. It wasn't a big thing. I bet. And then I had all sorts of people wanting to come and work with me. And I'm like, yeah, but really what I've done is I've taken businesses that are seven or eight figures and sold them for nine or 10 figures. That's what I've done, right? But I've got these people coming at startup phase asking me stuff and I'm like, I don't do startups, I do scale ups and exits. And, and it was it was real, it was full on because I'm like, do I, you know, I needed, needed to sort of build a business. So do I work with these people? Do I coach them? You know, and was, so I had to go through that as well. And I look back in hindsight, I go, oh God. Right. <laughs> but I didn't know, I just didn't know at the time. Yes, that's the thing. You didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't realize, oh my gosh, Amy, you shouldn't be teaching something you don't have results in. Like in the time, I think I was just a little desperate. I really wanted something yeah, to work. So it. now what I teach my students is something I call the sweet spot, where we kind of dissect what you're good at, where you've excelled, where you've gotten results and kind of work it through a system so that you can come up with your starter idea. So anyone who doesn't have an idea yet, I walk you through how to get an idea in the book. But one of the things I talk about is a 10% edge. So one, before you teach anything or create a business around it, you have to have gotten results for yourself or someone else. That's kind of a given. It's something I should have never skipped. But the second thing is you don't need years and years of education beyond those people you want to serve. You don't need more certification. You need a 10% edge. You need to be just 10% ahead of those that you plan to serve so you can show them the way. That's all you need. And we tend to like to mm. learn from people that don't feel light years ahead of us. You know, there's very few people like Tony Robbins who like he's light years ahead of where I'm at that I would want to learn from. But if I want to get into the weeds and really learn something step by step, I'm going to work with someone who's just done it not too long ago where it's fresh and they're going to teach me step by step by step. There's value in that. So don't think that you have to do more. You already have it in you to create the business that you want. So for you personally, as you went through that, so from the book, social media side, and did, well, firstly, did you persist with that for a while and did it ever no. work or did you have to do a pivot? No. I realized, <laughs> wait a second, I don't have results in this area. So I made a pivot and my next digital course was just about how to use social media for small business, which perfect. made more sense. Yeah, yep, perfect. Because you'd done that previously before successfully, you were coaching that anyway, one-to-one -one or delivering that one-to-one. -one. Exactly. And, and tell me about the messaging piece of this so because again i think a lot of people when they get into this world they're not clear on their their target audience firstly yeah they're not clear on how to position or even pitch what they do it all becomes convoluted and then they wonder what the hell is going on did you have that experience and you had to kind of get really precise before you started to see things work Absolutely. So in the book, I talked about uh, finding your ideal customer avatar, and I make it a big deal in the book because I did not do this well. So when I came out with my second product, I taught small businesses how to do social media. And what was happening is I would get questions like this, Amy, I have a t-shirt shop. It's a brick and mortar. I want to get more people in my door to buy more t-shirts. I have never had a brick and mortar. I don't know how to get foot traffic. It is not my expertise. What I know is how to drive traffic online. Mm. 
And so in that moment, I realized I'm getting a lot of questions that are outside of my wheelhouse. It makes me very uncomfortable. It makes me feel like I'm not qualified, which is not true. I'm just attracting the wrong audience. So I finally learned how to put a stake in the ground and say, I help people build information products. I help people market their businesses online. And so that, and it's for coaches and teachers and educators and trainers. I put it out there and then boom, people knew how to find me. I was put on the map. They knew what I could do for them. And that's when my business exploded. So let's take, let's go through that stage quickly because I think that's really important. There's a point, I think in any business, particularly the stuff we're talking about now where things just click, right? They yes. become congruent, congruent yes. with maybe you, your values, congruent with the timing, the market, understanding the problem intimately that you can solve and then being able to demonstrate with credibility that you are the person who can help, right? Yes. Those sort of factors, maybe, you know, you, you'll do this much better than me. That point for you, tell me about the, the results that you saw. So what was the first signs that this was working? You've put stuff out there into social media, I expect, and people have started to respond. Is that yes. right? What did that look yes. like? So what it looked like was the second time I launched, I made $10,000, which, which is really good, but I was still attracting the wrong audience well, from so 200 I, quid to, to 10 grand. Right. So yeah, that's, right. so that, that's pretty good. Right. So I was feeling pretty good. You've like, almost okay. paid for your mastermind. Now you've, you've almost right? recouped your cost. <laughs> exactly. So like I can figure this out. There's a little momentum here, but again, I was getting the wrong kind of questions because I was attracting the wrong kind of audience. Okay. So the next time I launched, that's when I put a stake in the ground and I said, okay, this is what I do. This is who I'm for. If you are this, this or that I'm your girl. And I made it very clear and I made $30,000 in that launch. And I had found my audience because mm, I was okay. able to laser focus on exactly what they needed. And that's when the momentum started to hit. So not only did the money start to come in, but my social media started to attract the right people. Um, at the time I didn't have a podcast yet, but I had a blog. And so my blog started getting more traffic. So I just kind of looked at the numbers and the momentum and I thought, I have found my sweet spot. So you'll start to feel it even more than the data. You'll start to feel that momentum. Okay. Let's, let's get some um, into the practicalities. You've, you've used the word launch mm -hmm. a number of times. Mm -hmm. Do you feel it's important? I mean, particularly when people are starting out to focus on an event like a launch, uh, or just to have a repeatable level of leads inquiries coming in, or is it a mixture of both? That's a great question. I think it depends on what you plan to do. Let's say okay. you're going to start your business. One of the easiest ways to start a business is with coaching or consulting, whether one-on-one -on -one or group coaching. Yep. And so with that, you might be able to get away with just using social media and your email list and reaching out to peers, letting them know I've got 10 spots. I'm going to fill it by this date. This is how much it costs. Like in my book, I teach you how to put together a package, how to price that package. This is something you could do probably with minimal effort in the beginning. Uh, however, if you're going to launch memberships, digital courses, maybe something like a mastermind, I do believe you need a launch and a lot. When I say a launch, here's what I mean. There's a dedicated time that you're going to open the cart. You're going to sell, and then you're going to close the cart. The first thing around a launch, which is why it's so important is the urgency and scarcity. I believe that that is important in mm -hmm. online marketing. People will not make a decision or take action unless they have a deadline. And so a launch is open cart, close cart period of time, let's say two weeks. I think that's important. I also think what's important to sell digital courses and memberships is that you do some kind of selling vehicle, whether it be a webinar or a three-part sales video, or maybe it's a challenge leading into selling. There needs to be a selling vehicle during those two weeks. 
What I teach and what I believe in are webinars, masterclasses, where yep. they're free, you teach, and then you sell. So I think if you're going to launch, you need some kind of mechanism like that to really move people forward. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. And I've used various mechanisms in my stuff slightly different because I, I work with quite high-end businesses. So every business I work with is an eight-figure business. So it's a very different thing. Very. Those business owners, right, they don't want, well, maybe, maybe uh, there's, a, there's a bit of a limiting belief here, but most of them don't want to buy a course. Most of them want me to, to jump on a plane. They send me the tickets. I go out there right? yeah. and I'm with them in their boardroom for a couple of days unpacking all of their stuff. And I quite like that model for what I do. And there's a few different ways around it, but I have played around. With this situation around, um, let's talk about traffic and then we can talk about the mechanism of selling a little bit more detail. I think it's important to understand it. Do you have any preference of how you should, how the how someone should drive traffic to these sales events these days? Um, yes. Do you think, okay, let's go. So if you're going to do some kind of sales event, a launch, whatever it yep. might be, I believe wholeheartedly in a pre, uh, pre-launch runway. And okay. so a pre-launch runway is basically the weeks leading up to you getting ready to open that cart and sell. It's where you are attracting an audience and engaging and nurturing an audience. So let me show you what it looks like in my business. We'll do a six week pre-launch runway and we start with a really big uh, net to cast. And so for us, we want to uh, build our lead list as well as engage people during those six weeks. So we do a quiz and the quiz is going to relate something to what we eventually want to sell. So if I'm going to sell how to create a digital course, then my quiz might be, are you ready to create a digital course? Are you okay, and your business ready? So they, they take this quiz, it casts a wide net. From there, then over the next six weeks, I'm doing other lead magnets. Um, one of the best ones I've done is it's a four-part private podcast. So I use the software called Hello Audio and I do a, a private podcast. It's not on my big podcast that I have. It's totally different. You have to opt in to get a link and then you can listen to it on Apple podcast. And so now it's a little bit different, but also it takes them through four different audios of basically how to get ready to create a course right. and what I did in my, in my business so I could really relate to them. So it's the six weeks of engaging, building your email list, uh, and nurturing the people that you have. And they're also building a relationship with you. I mean, you're using yes. these different ways so that like, you know, they might've heard of you or they may not have heard of you, but over this six week period, they're really getting to know, like trust kind of what you're about, which exactly. is important, I imagine the whole process. Okay, so you've got, interestingly, when you bring these people in, cause I love the mechanics of this stuff, right? I'm a bit geeky about it. When you bring these people in, the the next step after they're being nurtured through all these different things that you're doing, is the webinar i take it what yeah. happens if someone signals that they want to do something with you they want to buy a program join a mastermind in that six week period do you accelerate the sale at all or do you just hold back hold back keep your nerve how's that work? i hold back i hold back oh, cool. I, yeah so we have a wait list so we let them know something great's coming. If they ask, hey, me, when is your course opening up? We'll get them on a wait list. But I keep them on this journey with me. And we do things like a boot camp, like a five-day boot camp. So you're right. They're really getting to know me and my style of teaching. But the whole thing is to get them across an invisible bridge. So I teach this concept with my students. An invisible bridge is basically what do they need to know, understand, be aware of, or believe before they're ever ready mm. to buy from you. And everyone can use this no 
matter what you're selling. What do they need to know, believe, understand in order for them to be ready to buy from you so that I get them past that invisible bridge. I talk about objections before they even have them. I talk about where they're at, what they're struggling with. We get into the mindset, all of that. And when I then get them on a webinar, they are not thinking, do I want to create a digital course? Cause that's the product I'm selling. They're thinking, I want to create a digital course. Amy showed me the way I'm excited. I even have an idea for a digital course because she taught me in the pre-launch. So now I just need to make a decision. Am I going to learn from Amy or someone else? And then I can wow them on a webinar, tell them about my course and they want to learn from me. So, so how that's much essentially how I do it. Okay. So when we're on the webinar now, um, and last question really on the mechanics, because we could go deeper and deeper, but I'm sure it's people can kind of buy the book and they can learn yeah. from this anyway. <laughs> but how how much are you actually selling on the webinar? Because it sounds to me like you're doing a lot of the selling through the process and the build up. So, you know, is there a really hard sell at the end or is it really just an, an invitation? Because at that point, no. they're really there. I'm just curious how you think about that. That's a great question. So I don't see me selling at all through that pre-launch. I'm, I'm just showing them a new way, but I could see how you could say it kind of can be a little bit of the light selling. When I get them on, on a webinar, I'm probably selling for a good 15 minutes. So there's 45 minutes of teaching. I deliver on the yep. promise, whatever that webinar is about 15 minutes of selling, but I sell through stories. So okay. it does feel light and non-aggressive. I tell stories of my students. I tell my stories. I do break down what they get, but more so I break down what they're going to uh, uh, experience through the results of having a digital course in your Got business. It. So it's that future pacing thing we talk about in terms of Absolutely. who, who, what you're going to become, what you're going to achieve, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. That's much more powerful, I think, because the reason I bring that up in, and certainly it comes up a lot of people reaching out to me who are investigating this world of an online business. And there's a lot of grubbiness that sometimes comes out of that. And you see it in the Facebook ads all the time, like where people are attacking each other or they're doing this, that, and the other. And, and therefore there's a, a mistrust it's created. So I'm curious, you know, have you have you encountered that? Like you obviously would see it because you're in this world, but have you thought of ways of of kind of helping people when they come through what you're teaching, being able to position themselves outside of that lane? Yes, I you know, I have seen it. Absolutely. Yep. There's a lot of distrust in our industry. And one of the things I write about in two weeks notice is really finding yourself. I think so much of entrepreneurship is personal growth. And so finding who you are, what you stand for, and how you want to run a business and showing up authentically as yourself. It's a buzzword, but it's important. Mm. And so when I'm on my webinars, when I do tons of live video, I think live video builds trust. They can see you, they see you interact, they see who you are. All of that I do so that people know I can be trusted. And then I tell a lot of stories so they know I've helped a lot of people and they trust me. And so, yes, there's so much that I do, so much that I talk about in the book about how to be someone that people trust, they like, they know, they want to buy from. Perfect. Okay. So just one more question just on as people are kind of on this journey um, and they're doing it all themselves, right? And they're probably getting a bit overwhelmed by that. What, how do you approach hiring your first person to help? You know, what is that hire and that? How do you start to, because one of the things I know that you're brilliant at, which I love because I'm not brilliant at this, is the systemization of things, processes, stuff that sounds boring, but Jesus, it's important. So how, do, how do you transition as you're going through this journey to, to building that out? 
So the first thing that I think everybody should do when they think about hiring is that number one, you hire before you're ready, because mm -hmm. if you wait till you're hundred percent ready, you probably needed the person six months ago. So you do it kind of scared and you hire a virtual assistant. My first hire was Rebecca. She was five hours a week. I paid her 20 bucks an hour. I didn't know exactly what I would give her, nor did I know if I could afford it because I was really scared about money in the beginning, but I knew I could never scale this business alone. There is no badge of honor in doing it all yourself. You're just leaving money on the table and you can't make a big impact with that. And so I think everybody should start with a virtual assistant so you can get things dialed into your business, spend more time in your zone of genius. And then from there, you could decide what you want to hire next. Awesome. But you know what? This has been great. So much so that I'm going to look back at the book now. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> well, you know, even on some, it's quite, it's quite funny. As we started to go into the launch piece and things like that, it's fascinating. I've got three separate companies uh, around this. I have the main one where I work really intimately, but um, we have a program called Exit Ready as well, which is all about helping smaller business owners be able to build their business for exit. And I can't deliver that. Like, you know, not not certainly in a scalable way. So there's some stuff, even for someone who's a bit more seasoned on the path, I think that's going to come from this. So if you're listening to this, I've just put my hand up and said, there's stuff I need to learn here from the uh, the brilliant Amy Porterfield. Uh, <laughs> I love that. If someone like you can learn from me where you're so seasoned, that's a huge compliment. So that's thank right. you. Awesome. So the book is, we're recording this in February. The book is coming out very soon. And just to give you the title again, it is called Two Weeks Notice, Find the courage to quit your job, make more money, work where you want, and change the world. Thank you, Amy. Where can people reach out to you uh, if they want to learn more about your programs and things like that? Well, thanks so much for asking. So the book, you can buy anywhere where you buy books online or in bookstores. February 21st is when it's officially live, but you can pre-order and authors really appreciate that depending on when this is airing. And also when you do get the book, go to twoweeksnoticebook.com. So twoweeksnoticebook.com. I've got amazing bonuses for all my book buyers. So do not miss out on that. And then I'm just at Amy Porterfield on all social media. So come say hello. And you've got a brilliant podcast too. You can plug that. I have a podcast called <laughs> Online Marketing Made Easy. Thank you. There you go. Uh, and the other thing I'm going to say, just because um, I have a mix of international listeners and people are going, two weeks notice, what's that about? Well, in the US, you can give two weeks notice, right? In, in yeah. the UK, it can be like six months. <laughs> you may <laughs> that, not know that. that. Yeah. But the whole goal is to quit your job and build your own business. Exactly. And the good thing about that, if you are on three months notice or six months notice, you've got all this time while getting paid to read the book and start to implement without going through the stress of having to quit and do all that stuff. So there you yes. go. Well, Amy, thank you. It's been a pleasure having you on the show. As I said, I've been looking forward to this for some time. I want to wish you all the best with the book and future successes. Thank you very thank much. Thank you. Thanks so much. Hey, thank you for listening to this episode of Scale Up with Nick Bradley. If you enjoy the show just as much as I enjoy creating it for you, then I'd really appreciate you leaving a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And while you're there, why not subscribe to the channel so you never miss a future episode? It really helps me. It helps the show. Plus, it makes it easier for others to access the content that I'm producing week in and week out. And finally, if you want more information about anything you heard in today's show or to find out how you can get more help in scaling up your business and your life, click the link in the show notes now to learn about our coaching, mentoring, and mastermind programs. See you soon.